Chapter Twenty Seven of Tales of a Traveler by Washington Irving. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Story of the Young Robber, Part One. I was born at the little town of Frosinone, which lies at the skirts of the Abruzzi. My father had made a little property in trade, and gave me some education, as he intended me for the church. But I had kept gay company too much to relish the cowl, so I grew up a loiterer about the place. I was a heedless fellow, a little quarrelsome on occasions, but good-humoured in the main, so I made my way very well for a time, until I fell in love. There lived in our town a surveyor, or land bailiff of the princes who had a young daughter a beautiful girl of sixteen she was looked upon as something better than the common run of our townsfolk and kept almost entirely at home i saw her occasionally and became madly in love with her she looked so fresh and tender and so different to the sunburnt females to whom i had been accustomed as my father kept me in money i always dressed well and took all opportunities of showing myself to advantage in the eyes of the little beauty i used to see her at church and as i could play a little upon the guitar i gave her a tune sometimes under her window of an evening and i tried to have interviews with her in her father's vineyard not far from the town where she sometimes walked she was evidently pleased with me but she was young and shy and her father kept a strict eye upon her and took alarm at my attentions for he had a bad opinion of me and looked for a better match for his daughter i became furious at the difficulties thrown in my way having been accustomed always to easy access among the women being considered one of the smartest young fellows of the place her father brought home a suitor for her a rich farmer from a neighboring town the wedding day was appointed and preparations were making i got sight of her at her window and i thought she looked sadly at me i determined the match should not take place cost what it might i met her intended bridegroom in the market-place and could not restrain the expression of my rage a few hot words passed between us when i drew my stiletto and stabbed him to the heart I fled to a neighboring church for refuge, and with a little money I obtained absolution, but I did not dare to venture from my asylum. At that time our captain was forming his troop. He had known me from boyhood, and hearing of my situation, came to me in secret, and made such offers that I agreed to enlist myself among his followers. Indeed, I had more than once thought of taking to this mode of life having known several brave fellows of the mountains who used to spend their money freely among us youngsters of the town i accordingly left my asylum late one night repaired to the appointed place of meeting took the oaths prescribed and became one of the troop we were for some time in a distant part of the mountains and our wild adventurous kind of life hit my fancy wonderfully and diverted my thoughts at length they returned with all their violence to the recollection of rosetta the solitude in which i often found myself 
gave me time to brood over her image, and as I have kept watch at night over our sleeping camp in the mountains, my feelings have been roused almost to a fever. At length we shifted our ground and determined to make a descent upon the road between Terracina and Naples. In the course of our expedition, we passed a day or two in the woody mountains which rise above Frosinon. I cannot tell you how I felt when I looked down upon the place and distinguished the residence of Rosetta. I determined to have an interview with her. But to what purpose? I could not expect that she would quit her home and accompany me in my hazardous life among the mountains. She had been brought up too tenderly for that, and when I looked upon the women who were associated with some of our troop, I could not have borne the thoughts of her being their companion. All return to my former life was likewise hopeless, for a price was set upon my head. Still, I determined to see her. The very hazard and fruitlessness of the thing made me furious to accomplish it. It is about three weeks since I persuaded our captain to draw down to the vicinity of Frosinon, in hopes of entrapping some of its principal inhabitants, and compelling them to a ransom. We were lying in ambush towards evening, not far from the vineyard of Rosetta's father. I stole quietly from my companions, and drew near to reconnoitre the place of her frequent walks. How my heart beat when, among the vines, I beheld the gleaming of a white dress. I knew it must be Rosetta's, it being rare for any female of the place to dress in white. I advanced secretly and without noise, and so putting aside the vines, I stood suddenly before her. She uttered a piercing shriek, but I seized her in my arms, put my hand upon her mouth, and conjured her to be silent. I poured out all the frenzy of my passion offered to renounce my mode of life and to put my fate in her hands to fly with her where we might live in safety together all that i could say or do would not pacify her instead of love horror and affright seemed to have taken possession of her breast she struggled partly from my grasp and filled the air with her cries in an instant the captain and the rest of my companions were around us i would have given anything at that moment had she been safe out of our hands and in her father's house it was too late the captain pronounced her a prize and ordered that she should be borne to the mountains i represented to him that she was my prize that i had a previous claim to her and i mentioned my former attachment he sneered bitterly in reply observed that brigands had no business with village intrigues and that according to the laws of the troop all spoils of the kind were determined by lot love and jealousy were raging in my heart but i had to choose between obedience and death i surrendered her to the captain and we made for the mountains she was overcome by a fright and her steps were so feeble and faltering and it was necessary to support her i could not endure the idea that my comrades should touch her and assuming a forced tranquillity begged that she might be confided to me as one to whom she was more accustomed the captain regarded me for a moment with a searching look but i bore it without flinching and he consented i took her in my arms she was almost senseless her head rested on my shoulder her mouth was near to mine 
i felt her breath on my face and it seemed to fan the flame which devoured me oh god to have this glowing treasure in my arms and yet to think it was not mine we arrived at the foot of the mountain i ascended it with difficulty particularly where the woods were thick but i would not relinquish my delicious burden i reflected with rage however that i must soon do so the thoughts that so delicate a creature must be abandoned to my rude companions maddened me i felt tempted the stiletto in my hand to cut my way through them all and bear her off in triumph i scarcely conceived the idea before i saw its rashness but my brain was fevered with the thought that any but myself should enjoy her charms i endeavoured to outstrip my companions by the quickness of my movements and to get a little distance ahead in case any favourable opportunity of escape should present vain effort the voice of the captain suddenly ordered a halt i trembled but had to obey the poor girl partly opened a languid eye but was without strength or motion i laid her upon the grass the captain darted on me a terrible look of suspicion and ordered me to scour the woods with my companions in search of some shepherd who might be sent to her father's to demand a ransom i saw at once the peril to resist with violence was certain death but to leave her alone in the power of the captain i spoke out then with a fervour inspired by my passion and my despair i reminded the captain that i was the first to seize her that she was my prize and that my previous attachment for her should make her sacred among my companions i insisted therefore that he should pledge me his word to respect her otherwise i should refuse obedience to his orders his only reply was to cock his carbine and at the signal my comrades did the same they laughed with cruelty at my impotent rage what could i do i felt the madness of resistance i was menaced on all hands and my companions obliged me to follow them she remained alone with the chief yes alone and almost lifeless here the robber paused in his recital overpowered by his emotions great drops of sweat stood on his forehead he panted rather than breathed his brawny bosom rose and fell like the waves of a troubled sea when he had become a little calm he continued his recital i was not long in finding a shepherd said he I ran with the rapidity of a deer, eager, if possible, to get back before what I dreaded might take place. I had left my companions far behind, and I rejoined them before they had searched one half the distance I had made. I hurried them back to the place where we had left the captain. As we approached, I beheld him seated by the side of Rosetta. His triumphant look, and the desolate condition of the unfortunate girl, left me no doubt of her fate i know not how i restrained my fury it was with extreme difficulty and by guiding her hand that she was made to trace a few characters requesting her father to send three hundred dollars as her ransom the letter was dispatched by the shepherd when he was gone the chief turned sternly to me you have set an example said he of mutiny and self-will which if indulged would be ruinous to the troop had i treated you as our laws require 
this bullet would have been driven through your brain but you are an old friend i have borne patiently with your fury and your folly i have even protected you from a foolish passion that would have unmanned you as to this girl the laws of our association must have their course so saying he gave his commands lots were drawn and the helpless girl was abandoned to the troop here the robber paused again panting with fury and it was some moments before he could resume his story hell said he was raging in my heart i beheld the impossibility of avenging myself and i felt that according to the articles in which we stood bound to one another the captain was in the right i rushed with frenzy from the place i threw myself upon the earth tore up the grass with my hands and beat my head and gnashed my teeth in agony and rage when at length i returned i beheld the wretched victim pale dishevelled her dress torn and disordered an emotion of pity for a moment subdued my fiercer feelings i bore her to the foot of a tree and leaned her gently against it i took my gourd which was filled with wine and applying it to her lips endeavoured to make her swallow a little to what a condition was she recovered she whom i had once seen the pride of Roisenon, who but a short time before i had beheld sporting in her father's vineyard so fresh and beautiful and happy her teeth were clenched her eyes fixed on the ground her form without motion and in a state of absolute insensibility i hung over her in an agony of recollection of all that she had been and of anguish at what i now beheld her i darted round a look of horror at my companions who seemed like so many fiends exulting in the downfall of an angel and i felt a horror at myself for being their accomplice the captain always suspicious saw with his usual penetration what was passing within me and ordered me to go upon the ridge of woods to keep a lookout upon the neighbourhood and await the return of the shepherd i obeyed of course stifling the fury that raged within me though i felt for the moment that he was my most deadly foe on my way however a ray of reflection came across my mind i perceived that the captain was but following with strictness the terrible laws to which we had sworn fidelity that the passion by which i had been blinded might with justice have been fatal to me but for his forbearance that he had penetrated my soul and had taken precautions by sending me out of the way to prevent my committing any excess in my anger from that instant i felt that i was capable of pardoning him occupied with these thoughts i arrived at the foot of the mountain the country was solitary and secure and in a short time i beheld the shepherd at a distance crossing the plain i hastened to meet him he had obtained nothing he had found the father plunged in the deepest distress he had read the letter with violent emotion and then calming himself with a sudden exertion he had replied coldly my daughter has been dishonoured by those wretches let her be returned without ransom or let her die i shuddered at this reply i knew according to the laws of our troop her death was inevitable our oaths required it i felt nevertheless that not having been able to have her to myself i could become her executioner 
the robber again paused with agitation i sat musing upon his last frightful words which proved to what excess the passions may be carried when escaped from all moral restraint there was a horrible verity in this story that reminded me of some of the tragic fictions of dante we now came to a fatal moment resumed the bandit after the report of the shepherd i returned with him and the chieftain received from his lips the refusal of the father at a signal which we all understood we followed him some distance from the victim he there pronounced her sentence of death every one stood ready to execute his order but i interfered i observed that there was something due to pity as well as to justice that i was as ready as any one to approve the implacable law which was to serve as a warning to all those who hesitated to pay the ransoms demanded for our prisoners but that though the sacrifice was proper it ought to be made without cruelty the night is approaching continued i she will soon be wrapped in sleep let her then be dispatched all that i now claim on the score of former fondness for her is let me strike the blow i will do it as surely but more tenderly than another several raised their voices against my proposition but the captain imposed silence on them he told me i might conduct her into a thicket at some distance and he relied upon my promise i hastened to seize my prey there was a forlorn kind of triumph at having at length become her exclusive possessor i bore her off into the thickness of the forest she remained in the same state of insensibility and stupor i was thankful that she did not recollect me for had she once murmured my name i should have been overcome she slept at length in the arms of him who was to poignard her many were the conflicts i underwent before i could bring myself to strike the blow my heart had become sore by the recent conflicts it had undergone and i dreaded lest by procrastination some other should become her executioner when her repose had continued for some time i separated myself gently from her that i might not disturb her sleep and seizing suddenly my poniard plunged it into her bosom a painful and concentrated murmur but without any convulsive movement accompanied her last sigh so perished this unfortunate he ceased to speak i sat horror-struck covering my face with my hands seeking as it were to hide from myself the frightful images he had presented to my mind i was roused from the silence by the voice of the captain you sleep said he and it is time to be off come we must abandon this height as night is setting in and the messenger is not returned i will post someone on the mountain edge to conduct him to the place where we shall pass the night this was no agreeable news to me i was sick at heart with the dismal story i had heard i was harassed and fatigued and the sight of the banditti began to grow unsupportable to me the captain assembled his comrades we rapidly descended the forest which we had mounted with so much difficulty in the morning and soon arrived in what appeared to be a frequented road the robbers proceeded with great caution carrying their guns cocked and looking on every side with wary and suspicious eyes they were apprehensive of encountering the civic patrol we left roca priori behind us there was a fountain near by and as i was excessively thirsty 
i begged permission to stop and drink the captain himself went and brought me water in his hat we pursued our route when at the extremity of an alley which crossed the road i perceived a female on horseback dressed in white she was alone i recollected the fate of the poor girl in the story and trembled for her safety one of the brigands saw her at the same instant and plunging into the bushes he ran precipitately in the direction towards her stopping on the border of the alley he put one knee to the ground presented his carbine ready for menace or to shoot her horse if she attempted to fly and in this way awaited her approach i kept my eyes fixed on her with intense anxiety i felt tempted to shout and warn her of her danger though my own destruction would have been the consequence it was awful to see this tiger crouching ready for a bound and the poor innocent victim wandering unconsciously near him nothing but a mere chance could save her to my joy a chance turned in her favour she seemed almost accidentally to take an opposite path which led outside of the wood where the robber dare not venture to this casual deviation she owed her safety i could not imagine why the captain of the band had ventured to such a distance from the height on which he had placed the sentinel to watch the return of the messengers he seemed himself uneasy at the risk to which he exposed himself his movements were rapid and uneasy i could scarcely keep pace with him at length after three hours of what might be termed a forced march we mounted the extremity of the same woods the summit of which we had occupied during the day and i learnt with satisfaction that we had reached our quarters for the night you must be fatigued said the chieftain but it was necessary to survey the environs so as not to be surprised during the night had we met with the famous civic guard of rocca priori you would have been fine sport such was the indefatigable precaution and forethought of this robber chief who really gave continual evidences of military talent end of chapter twenty seven recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida